my brain, the, the minute I called somebody, instead of going and binging and purging, my it told my brain, oh, I can call somebody and and I don't have to binge and purge. I can go that route in my, you know, my neural pathway can go that route and I don't have to do the default all the time. You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. So this week I talked to Brooke Mills and Brooke used is an army veteran and now a psych student and she is also a mother of two little ones. I think they're both still in diapers actually and for my UK listeners diapers means nappies. Anyway, so why is this relevant? Well, Brooke has recovered from bulimia and anorexia and so this podcast is about pregnancy after eating disorder recovery. And we go into lots of things like the role that um, partners or spouses can play in helping um, a person who has recovered from an eating disorder and is then going through pregnancy. We talk about the way that hormones can really throw a spanner in the works in regards to recovery and things like morning sickness. And this is something that I hadn't even ever thought about. I mean, I'm not maternal at all. I don't plan on being pregnant ever. I have none of those instincts. Uh, and so it was really interesting for me to talk to somebody who had been through pregnancy about sort of the things that can trigger eating disorder thoughts, even in someone who has been recovered for a while. So I think a really um, crucial listen for anybody who is either pregnant with an eating disorder or in recovery and thinking about being pregnant in the years to come. So here's Brooke. I, I basically had developed my eating disorder when I was in high school. Um, it was anorexia. Um, and, it, and it started just like most, I guess, anorexic stories go. I I started on a diet and um, started, you know, restricting my food. And I got obsessive about it. Um, that's probably my, you know, my... Uh, genetic OCD tendencies um, turned into, you know, full-blown anorexia. And, and so that developed into bulimia when I went into college. And um, I was pretty much bulimic for about 10, 15 years. It, you know, got to a point where I was my, I was physically breaking down. Um, I, you know, I realized over just years of the disease that it just uh, had, these horrible effects on my life. You know, I just wasn't able to get close to anybody and anybody I would start getting close to would be, I'd push away. It just got to the, the point where I just, my, my, my brain, myself, everything just said, this is enough. And, and then for, for years I sought recovery and I, you know, in, in various ways and I had bouts of recovery here and there. And I met my spouse, actually, I'm, I'm a recovered alcoholic as well, but that's a whole other story I don't really want to get into because I actually think that I drank because I was depressed about the eating disorder. So I'm not <laughs> fully convinced I'm alcoholic. Um, I met him, um, you know, at a, at a 12 step meeting. And, um, uh, so, you know, we, you know, got together and then five months later I'm pregnant and, you know, I'm sober, but I'm still, um, I'm still bulimic at the time. And, um, uh, of course I freak out because I know I have to get my crap together at this point. I'm, I'm throwing up. I'm sick. <laughs> You'd think that, um, a pregnancy would actually, you know, be the catalyst that, uh, would, you know, 
push me into recovery, but it wasn't. I mean, I was, uh, I got, you know, I was able to keep, I'd say my, I, I was able to keep a few meals down during the day, but at the end of the day, it was just, it, you know, I had behaviors pretty much every single day during that first pregnancy. And just to think about it now, it's, it's, it's really sad, but that's how addicting that's, that's the, that's the brain. That's how hardwired this, this disease can get in your brain that you just, you know, a child can't, can't <laughs> be, be a reason. But at, on the same level, it's like, all right, well, you know, I, my rational self is like, all right, I have this beautiful child growing inside me. And I can think of a million reasons to stop using these behaviors, but the behaviors still happen. So that's what makes me think that the behaviors are part of this, that lower, like primal part of my brain that just has to act out. And I, you know, it's almost as if something else is taking over me um, when those happen. So anyways, uh, the baby came out fine and it, good weight, everything. Uh, it was a C-section and I don't know. And I guess I'll never will know. Um, it was a C-section because the baby was sideways. Um, and I don't know if that had anything to do with my eating disorder. And I guess I never will. Um, maybe the hormones were firing off and he never dropped down or I don't, I don't know what it was. And, um, so I had a C-section with my first and he was a healthy seven and a half pound baby. And, um, but it was just a, just looking at him now. Cause I, I never, I don't know. I never really, I think it was because I was bulimic during that pregnancy that I never really felt attached to my baby in the womb. I wasn't one of those moms that like sat there and like talked to their baby in their, in their tummy. I just, I wasn't like that. I just, I think because I was just so guilty about the behaviors, I just never felt that connection until the baby was born. And then it was just all, Oh my God, the feelings just flooded in. And I was just I, that typical new mom experience when the baby was born. And, um, for a few months after he was born, I was able to leave the behaviors. And I think that had a lot to do with just the, the high and the rush and the adrenaline of, of having a newborn baby. And, but you know, two, three months into it, you start getting comfortable again. Things start getting boring. You're, you look at your, you know, I had this postpartum body and, um, I was breastfeeding and, I think I mentioned to you this earlier that I'm, I'm one of those people that when I breastfeed, I don't lose weight. <laughs> like the popular, you know, everyone, all the doctors say you're supposed to, you know, you can burn 500 extra calories, you know, when you breastfeed every day, it's just such bullshit because I never lost any weight and I actually hold on to weight when I breastfeed. So, um, I wish someone would, were to have educated me on that because I think that's that added to a lot of the reason why I attempted or I went back into the bulimia. I want to say that's the reason, but I think I just went back into it because it was still so fresh in my brain, you know? So I started throwing up again and this is, you know, I, my baby's like three, four months old and it was just, it was tragic because at this point I was really connected to him. I loved him so much and I would see him just sitting there in his swing and here I am like, you know, he's propped up 
you know, in front of the TV and his little, you know, rocker swing, whatever the heck those things are called. And I'm sitting there like gorging myself with food and running into the bathroom and thinking, wow, I'm glad he's so young. He can't hear me, you know, cause I was vomiting and I'm glad he's so young that he can't hear me. And that's, it was just, it's so heartbreaking. So that's when I really, really started to just, uh, reach out and get help. And I didn't go to any, you know, treatment center or extensive treatment center. I went through a 12 step type of situation. Um, I met a woman who had about three months of recovery, um, ahead of me. And she, for some reason, I just related to her. She looked kind of like me, except 20 years older. She had the same sort of personality. And I just said, you know what? I need help. What did you do? I want to do exactly what you did. And so I just began calling her every day and I texted her what I ate. And for me as a bulimic, it, it wasn't hard to eat food. I mean, that's what I did. So it's different than anorexia in that way. I didn't have that fear, I guess, around putting food to my mouth. It was more like, I think I was more just addicted to the feeling stuffed and then addicted to the feeling empty. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess someone else with more expertise can explain it, what I was addicted to. But in the beginning, I kind of stuck to just foods that were, um, I guess, low and lower in fat and lower in sugar, just because I was afraid that if I ate those foods, I would end up purging. And so I, um, that was my diet for about a month until I got into, until my brain got used to not binging and purging. So... I think that's what it, what it's about at, at this point. I mean, my, my ideas about recovery have definitely like transformed over the, over the years. Um, being in a, having recovered in a 12 step group, I was definitely about in the beginning I was about, Oh, there is a higher power and, you know, connecting to this higher power is what has helped me gain perspective over my eating disorder and helped me, you know, if I just do, do as this higher power would want me to do, um, I'll be saved in some sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but now I'm looking at it more like I am the higher power. I do have the power in me. I have the rationality. I have, um, the reasoning and the self-love and I have this intelligence within me and I'm dealing with a really stupid part of my brain that my eating disorder is stuck in, where the addiction is stuck in. So if, um, if I can just realize that and be mindful of when those urges arise and, and, and focus on what to do during, you know, when those urges come up. And, um, Brooke, can you, do you have any examples of the sorts of things that you would use when the urges come up? Well, I do actually. Um, the, the number one thing that would help me would be calling somebody. It's the hardest thing to do <laughs> when you want to, to binge and purge, but it's just, it's the last thing you want to do, but it's, and you just, something is something inside of you. You just got to pick up that phone. And when I called, you know, I call a friend in recovery or I call, you know, we call them mentors or sponsors in, in the 12 step program. Um, and, uh, I would just talk and tell them, I really, really, really want to binge and purge. I like, you know, cause 
when the urge enters your body, it's like you're sweating for food. You're like, oh my God, this is like a physiological response. It's like a mental response. You're like, oh my God, if I don't get this food, you know, I'll, you don't even know what's going to happen. It's like, I, I want to eat just to get rid of this feeling that I have. I don't want to eat because so-and-so rejected me or my mom, you know, rejected me or this or this or that. I want to eat because this freaking urge is so you know what I mean <laughs> I know what you mean and um I love that you've you've kind of brought peer support into it because you know I'm a big fan of peer support um just pick up the phone and talk to someone yeah and so it would kind of um I guess it just talking to somebody would give me that might give my brain at least that kind of reward response like I I'd, I'd feel good I'd feel connected it would kind of it would kind of fill in where the food did for me I, I guess I don't know so I have a, a couple of questions about um, more back to the pregnancy bit. So the first one, and this might be this might be an uncomfortable question, so feel free not to answer. But um, how did your spouse react to you participating in sort of binging and purging behaviors whilst you were pregnant? Well, okay. So initially, he actually walked in on me. I was um, when we found out I was pregnant. You know, we were both very excited, but. Um, he, uh, so I, what I would do every night is after dinner, I would always go and take a shower. And that was like cue that I would go and like purge in the shower. And he actually walked in on me, uh, and just, you know, pushed the shower curtain open and saw that I had purged and that turned into a huge argument and, um, resulted in me saying, all right, I need to go get professional help. And so I, you know, for about a week or two, I went into this like partial day treatment center and I just convinced myself that I don't need it because it cost too much money. And I, he, I guess he just put it out of sight, out of mind. I mean, for the rest of the pregnancy, he knew I was purging. We really didn't talk about it because he would, as long as I looked as if I was gaining weight, I think that he, that he kind of felt okay about it, but also he developed, um, some pretty severe, like, uh, physical symptoms. He, his skin started when he gets really stressed, he starts, he has like a, like eczema. And so, um, and in hindsight, when I look back on how he was during that pregnancy, he had a, those type of stress reactions. So he knew it was going on and we just didn't talk about it. He's an alcohol, a recovered alcoholic and he just doesn't understand it. He, he thinks that, you know, uh, pregnancy should be, a re should push someone into recovery. He just, he didn't understand. So, so I've worked with quite a few people who are either recovered alcoholics, although, as you said, I often think that they are not an alcoholic. It's just a symptom of the eating disorder. But anyway, but that's beside the point. But I've heard that often, that they may have managed to recover from um, drinking really quite easily compared to what they have to do in order to stay in recovery from whatever eating disorder. Yeah, and I, I always thought that the food was my main addiction. And then the alcohol was just something I just met. I was so depressed over the food. I couldn't, couldn't stop doing that. The only way for me to enjoy life or to have any sort of okayness with myself was to drink. And I drank pretty much all day when it got to its lowest point. Cause I just, my brain, I was so depressed. And so let's talk about the, the body image stuff. I have never been pregnant, so I have no idea about how that feels. My second pregnancy, I guess I could just talk about that. Um, I'm, re I'm really proud of myself because I, 
I had no behaviors during my second pregnancy. I had, you know, a year and a half of recovery um, before I got pregnant for the second time. It was very, very hard in the beginning because I saw myself gaining weight, not just in my stomach, just, you know, in my arms, my butt, my thighs. And there was no option like to binge and purge. That just wasn't an option. Um, and just having to grow an acceptance of my body. So it was basically how, how much anxiety can I tolerate? It just became this, uh, I had to really learn to tolerate this new normal for my body. And it was in stages. My body, it, it, I mean, it took like a month, I think, um, as my body grew for me to actually like accept and be okay with it at that stage, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was just about anxiety tolerance. I just had to learn to kind of accept the new normal. Um, having this new body and my new pregnancy was, um, it, I just experienced a barrage, a barrage of just negative thoughts about my body. Pretty much from the, the moment I woke up in the morning, I have a big, tall, full-size mirror um, right next to my bed. And I, I love mirrors. They're pretty. Like <laughs> I love having mirrors, and I don't ever want to get rid of them. But it's like the you know the first thing I did when I got up was I did the body check. I looked up and down and I you know I even went as far as like I had pictures from my old pregnancy and I would use Instagram and like you know make the picture collage so I have like myself my new pregnancy next to my old pregnancy to you know compare you know to see if I was bigger at the same time in each pregnancy. I just it got really obsessive for a little bit. So it really helped to, I would go to meetings. Uh, I went to another anonymous 12-step group um, for eating disorders during that time. And I would just go and just talk, just talk to other people and get, get these feelings out and be done with it. I, I had no other way to, to cope with it. I didn't know what to, I mean, this was it. This is how people cope with stuff. They just talk about it. They have faith that tomorrow it's going to be better. Like I, I would literally, there'd be some nights where I would just go to bed because my eating disorder was so mean to me. Like, you know, and at the end of the day, I would just put my head down on the pillow and just, I'd be so depressed, but just, I had to believe that tomorrow would be better. Something I just knew that if I just did the right thing, didn't act out on behaviors and put my head down on the pillow at night, I'd wake up and things would be better or one day things would be better. And I'll tell you this, the experience of being pregnant during an eating disorder, it makes you the most resilient person ever. Like there's nothing harder, probably, you know, except for when you actually have the baby, like, and you're dealing with the sleep deprivation in the beginning, <laughs> there's nothing harder than that during eating disorder recovery. And it makes you such a resilient person. Like I can go through, I can do anything at this point. And I can, I can make it through anything. I, I always say I think that's true for, for eating disorder recovery. If you, can, if you can do that, you can do anything. You can take anything. So, um, Brooke, is there anything that you would say to somebody who has had an eating disorder and might be thinking about getting pregnant, you know, they're in recovery, thinking about getting pregnant, that you would say, just be mindful or watch out for these things? I would say to have some recovery first. <laughs> I think that's a pretty obvious thing. Um, but sometimes we get pregnant on accident. Like in my case, I would say do everything in your power to get better, whatever that looks like. 
for me, it was like an all or nothing. Like I was not going to get better unless I put all of my energy into getting better, whatever that looks like. If that means checking myself into inpatient, or if that means devoting myself to a program and using all of the tools. But yeah, if you're thinking about, if you're planning on getting pregnant, I would definitely suggest having a year or more of recovery of just no behaviors, not trying to recover, but a year of no behaviors. <laughs> I really think that you, you need that under your belt before you decide to, because you don't want to deal with the guilt um, of, of having used behaviors during your, your pregnancy. And I still deal with that. I look at my son's eyes and I'm like, Oh my God, like I could, you could have not been in my life. Like, Holy crap. Like I could have killed you. Like if that sounds really harsh, but I could have killed you. And it happens every day. I don't I mean, I don't know how he came out so healthy and perfect. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was in my womb while I was doing these, you know, these behaviors and, I just think, wow, like, I, I know it's had to affect him. So anyways. Yeah. If somebody is a spouse or partner of a um, person who has had an eating disorder and is pregnant, what do you think their most supportive role can be? I would say calling them on their shit. I'm super sensitive uh, <laughs> with that issue because I, I grew up with a lot of people who just like to shove things under the rug and were just very enabling. I, I really think it's an important thing for, for spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends to not let their pregnant partner lie or get away with any of that kind of stuff and really, really encourage them to go into inpatient or if they're, if they're using behaviors or, or seek active treatment. Um, don't ride them like, you know, I don't know, be on them 24 seven, but give a healthy nudge and let, let and set their boundaries and let them know that I'm not going to be around this behavior. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we can, I know I used to kid myself if, um, if nobody sort of said almost on a daily basis or told me that, Oh, you know, you need to eat more. You need to gain weight. If there was that silence, I could always just kind of kid myself. I went fine. No one's noticed they had, but they were just too scared of me to tell me. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. Is that what it is? They're just too scared because I, he, <laughs> in my case it was cause I was nasty. <laughs> I could be really mean if anybody challenged my eating disorder. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. That makes sense because I, he, my, my, you often get that look from people like that kind of like, I'm scared of you look, but it's, they're kind of scared of you jumping at them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense now. I'm like, why didn't they just, Oh, like, so I don't know. The eggshells situation. It was always eggshells with me. So yeah. there was always this tension in the house because nobody could say anything to me without me jumping down their throats. But, but you know, in a way, all I really wanted them to do was keep reminding me and telling me. Even if I did jump down someone's throat, it, I always thought about what they said afterwards. And it would always, in the long run, make me try a little bit harder that someone noticed. But when nobody said anything, I could always kid myself that everything was fine. I couldn't do that, even if it, how, no matter how annoying it was. When somebody kept on reminding me, you need to gain weight. I couldn't kid myself. And that was how it helped. It really helped. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I remember I, I knew my spouse was the person I was going to marry because he was the first boyfriend that I had that called me on my shit when, when he first, I mean, he noticed I was, I was purging, binging and purging for a, 
you know, a month or two before he said anything, but he had thought about what he was going to say when he confronted me and he confronted me and he's the first boyfriend I've ever had that confronted me. And as uncomfortable as that conversation was, I was like, wow. Like afterwards, I'm like, I'm going to marry that guy. Like that's what I needed all my life. (laughs) The next thing that I asked Brooke was if there was anything else that she just wanted to say or tell anybody about the whole pregnancy when recover from an eating disorder situation. Here's Brooke. Really, before I wanted to say too, before, um, if you're thinking about getting pregnant and you've dealt with an eating disorder or you're in recovery from an eating disorder, to really be, be emotionally intelligent. Know that your emotions are just that, just emotions. They come and they go. And really have that perspective on yourself because you're going to be going through a lot of uh, hormonal, um, uh, just her hormones are really strong and you're going to be feeling, especially after the baby's born, they're going to have sleep deprivation. You're going to be up and down depressed. You're going to be anxious Um, during the pregnancy as well. You're going to be all over the place and you need to have that perspective where you can look on your emotions. You have the awareness of your emotions and the awareness of your thoughts to, to say to yourself, all right, this is what I'm feeling. It's not representative of reality. It will pass. I am okay. And if you don't have that, you're going to, you're going to go down. I mean, if you don't have that in life in general, you're going to go down, but just during pregnancy, it's just, you really, really got to have that perspective. Yeah. I think that's good. For good advice for anyone but as you said especially I mean I can't imagine in pregnancy just hormones and feelings must be all over the place and, and hormones are so powerful I never even knew how powerful they are I mean you could you could be the happiest person you could be so great at self talk and motive self motivation and they could just take you down I know because well I didn't have any hormones from the age of 17 to around 29 and it hit me like a bus when that actually happened. I mean, I didn't, I guess I'd missed out on all of the training that people have by the time that they're age around 30 and how to just deal with a menstrual cycle. But I was, I couldn't, I could not believe it. I kid you not. It was, I just, especially the, the PMT side. I mean, I would just feel depressed and I'd never actually really felt like that. And for the, I, I couldn't really, it took me a lot to really attribute that to the cycle and get used to the fact that that would happen every four weeks and it's like you said it it, it can floor you how strong in pregnancy are. did you have any strange cravings for foods i did i did ha- well okay so okay here's another thing i want to talk about too as well um morning sickness you know in the first three months of pregnancy you're gonna experience morning sick well not everyone does but i sure as hell did but I had it pretty bad for the first two months. And I mean, eating anything would just make you want to, to throw it up and nothing looked appealing. And I would, you know, if I, if I, I, you have to eat. So when I did eat, I would obviously be in the toilet and having these, you know, these dry heaving and everything like that. And I think just that, that action of vomiting and just that whole thing just really, really puts your brain back. It triggers your brain. I guess triggers the right word. I don't know. Back um, into that old wiring of the bulimia. Um, so if you're not really strong in your recovery, that would be the time that would take you out. <laughs> would be during that initial period because there were some times where 
right after I had vomited from morning sickness that I felt like I wanted to continue doing it throughout the day. Well, my, my eating disorder, my wiring wanted to continue doing it throughout the entire day. Like that wasn't coming from the rational part of me at all. Um, but it's just going through those motions of vomiting really brought that back. So that's another reason to really be firm in your recovery before attempting to get pregnant because yeah, that morning sickness and it's, it's not just vomiting, it's nausea, and nausea is just the worst, and you'll be, uh, some women, including myself, um, are in bed all day long. Um, it's like a hangover that just doesn't go away for two months. It's really serious, and I don't know why more people don't talk about how, how horrible it is, and it just seems to be one of those things that, oh, well, you know, you deal with it it's when you're pregnant. But, I mean, I had to have my mom up here to help with my two-year-old. I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought morning sickness up. I had ne- I had never even thought about that actually. <laughs> I feel ashamed to admit I'd never thought about how that could trigger behaviors and maybe even just the feeling of feeling nauseous and how that can be difficult because you have to keep eating and then if you feel nauseous as well, it must be like a double whammy hard to avoid those sorts of behaviors. Yeah, and then when you start when you're when you're vomiting and then you know, that your eating disorder is telling you, Oh, well, you're looking good now. Like, you know, all those thoughts that come up when (laughs) you feel like your stomach's empty and it's just a a huge triggering experience physically and mentally. And so you really, yeah, got to be strong through that. Yeah, no, that was a really good point, Brooke. Thanks for bringing that one up. Um, I would, um, kick myself ahead but I wouldn't think about that kind of thing because I haven't been pregnant so it's I forget these sorts of things that happen when people are pregnant yeah and then as far as the cravings go I don't really I mean you had I had a few funny cravings like pickles like I I did have a pickle craving but like at at this point I, I don't have too much anxiety around particular foods um I guess I, I want to say I don't. <laughs> Um, I more so have, and I still do to this day, have anxiety about food that is not cooked by myself because I don't know what's in it. So, but I mean, you know, that, that, that fades over time. I think, you know, it's just a matter of exposure. Like, I think that's what you kind of do in your, your, your work is the more you just eat, the anxiety just fades away. I mean, it's fine. And, but, you know, you, you do it, but you do it with support so that, because the anxiety gets worse before it gets better. So, yeah, do it with support. And you've mentioned a few times um, with the resources that you use and reaching out and talking to people and just using peer support, really, which is really important. It's free <laughs> a lot of the time. It doesn't cost anything to talk to somebody, um, even in a mental program that's been through it themselves. Yeah. And I think also it just, it gives your brain another option other than using behavior. Like my brain, the the minute I call somebody, instead of going and binging and purging my, it told my brain, Oh, I can call somebody and, and I don't have to binge and purge. I can go that route in my, you know, my neural pathway can go that route and I don't have to do the default all the time. And, And, and I would still do the default, but I knew there was another option and so it just kind of, yeah, it, it, it got easier. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, there is, that's, that's admitted, there is a lot of stigma around eating disorders. And I think that's why it's 
even more important when we people who have been through it support people who are going through it because that's someone that you know is not going to have any judgment around whatever you say just happened or whatever you just did they'll get it and i think that's really um, invaluable yeah absolutely Huge thank you to Brooke Mills for taking the time to talk to me about an incredibly important topic. If you enjoy these podcasts, then do me a favor and consider being a patron. We have set up a patron account and all proceeds will go to ADRA. And ADRA is the nonprofit organization that I founded that helped adults with eating disorders with free resources and also things like mealtime support via video Skype and um, text messaging. It's a peer support service for adults in eating disorder recovery. But yeah, if you like the podcast, um, please consider being a patron and I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Have a really good day. Bye.